Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. What's going on in Ukraine is not only a humanitarian disaster, 
But a disaster on epic proportions. I have not seen such devastation since images of World War II. So do not misinterpret any of what I may say in the following podcast. My sympathies remain with the poor and innocent Ukrainian people. It's a disaster. My appeal is to President Putin to stop this madness before the entire world goes up in flames. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Savage. Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. It's a very big surprise for me today, and I'll tell you why I had a big surprise today. Long Easter weekend, Passover, Easter, crucifixion, resurrection, and yesterday on Sunday, I did a lengthy YouTube piece called Easter Thoughts, and it was largely an argument against war, a demand that the world stop before we blow ourselves off the axis because of this Zelensky. And I took a big chance. I said, I cannot be the only one on earth who sees what this man is. How has the world turned this man into a hero? Every country he speaks before he attacks if they don't send him more weapons, warning us about nuclear war. Who is this man who wears an undershirt every day and screams at the world and screams, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. I will tell you this as a Jewish man, I'm alarmed. And you will find out today why I am alarmed at what Zelensky is doing to the world and to the Jewish people. So that was yesterday's YouTube piece, which I'm going to play for you today, if you probably missed it. Most of you who listen to my podcast do not go on YouTube. It's a different medium. And then we're going to have a great interview by Josh Kaplan of Breitbart that many of you have requested, which is a review of my life and my views of the world. It's an amazing interview that I did with Josh. A great podcast today. So I wake up today. Listen to this after this long weekend and in my inbox i always get it i never ask for it but it arrives at the new york times online and the headline is good morning the west is arming ukraine and punishing russia today we look at the countries that aren't i said that's the new york times they're not all for war against evil russia by ian prasad Philbrick. how did he get this published it says the messy middle, and I'm going to read you some of this article. If you live in most any Western country, your government support for Ukraine, including sending weapons and imposing sanctions on Russia, can give the impression of a united global response to Putin's invasion. But that isn't the case. This is in the New York Times. Most of the world's 195 countries have not shipped aid to Ukraine or joined in sanctions. A handful have actively supported Russia. We live in a bubble here in the U.S. and Europe where we think the very stark moral and geopolitical stakes and framework of what we're seeing unfolding is a universal cause, says Barry Pavel, a senior vice president at the Atlantic Council. Actually, he says most of the governments of the world are not with us. And then the New York Times article goes on. Listen to this. India and Israel are prominent democracies that ally with the U.S. on many issues, but they rely on Russia for security as well and have avoided arming Ukraine or imposing sanctions on Moscow. In both cases, the key factor isn't ideology, but national interest, says my colleague Max Fisher. Let me pause right here. I have argued from the beginning, this is a humanitarian disaster. It is terrible what's going on in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are suffering. 
but there is no national interest for the United States in this battle. None whatsoever. Now I will go on from the article. India is the world's largest buyer of Russian weapons, seeking to protect itself from Pakistan and China. India joined 34 other countries in abstaining from a UN vote that condemned Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And India appears to be rebuffing Western pleas to take a harder line. I don't think you know any of this because every American newspaper makes you think that Zelensky is the new second coming of Jesus and the savior of the world. But that is not true. That is not true at all. Fact of the matter is, most of the world is not supporting Zelensky. I'll read more. I'll now read more from the New York Times article so you can make up your own mind. Because you're not reading this in any other newspaper. You're not seeing this in the media. All you're seeing is the glorification of this comedian who wants war, 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 war. The article goes on. Several Latin American, Southeast Asian, and African countries have made similar choices. Bolivia, Vietnam, and almost half of Africa's 54 countries declined to support the UN resolution condemning Russia. Others don't want to risk jeopardizing trade relations with China, which has parroted Russian propaganda about the war. They go on to say these countries might be more accurately described as disinterested for the sake of a struggle that they see as mostly irrelevant. Irrelevant here, here where I live, near San Francisco, all of the anti-American left-wing fanatics who would not be caught dead having an American flag on their front lawn on July 4th are waving Ukrainian flags, some on flagpoles. These stupid idiots who spit on our own borders, language, and culture want us to go into the Third World War to protect the borders, language, and culture of Ukraine, a country they don't even know where it is. I'll go on from the article in the New York Times so you could see that I am not alone. Some countries citing the West's history of imperialism and past failures to respect human rights have justified opposing its response to Ukraine. South Africa's president blamed NATO for Russia's invasion. Other countries, including some that voted to condemn Russia's invasion, accused the West of acting counterproductively. Brazil's U.N. ambassador has suggested that arming Ukraine and imposing sanctions on Russia risk escalating war. I want to remind you how big Brazil is. And they're not all stupid South Americans. Yankee, quote, there's nothing intellectually incoherent between viewing Russia's actions as outrageous and not necessarily fully siding with the West's reaction to it, unquote. No kidding. Autocratic leaders, including in the UAE, Saudi Arabia and Nicaragua may also feel threatened by Ukraine's resistance and the West's framing of the invasion as a struggle between democracy and authoritarianism, experts said. They're concerned that this could inspire opposition movements in their own countries. Then there is a whole list of Russia's friends. China, very important, four dictatorships, North Korea, Syria, Belarus, Eritrea, outright voted with Russia against the UN resolution condemning the invasion of Ukraine, voted against the UN resolution. Belarus is a former Soviet state whose autocratic leader asked Putin to help suppress protests in 2020 and allowed Russia to launch part of its invasion from within his Belarus. So then they ask, what's next? 
says it's not unusual for countries to avoid picking sides on big global issues. Several stayed neutral during World War II. Dozens sought to remain free of both U.S. and Soviet influence during the Cold War. But they conclude with this. But if the war in Ukraine drags on, neutral countries could come under stronger international pressure to condemn Moscow. And for countries with close ties to Russia, even neutrality can be an act of courage. Well, that's their opinion. It just could be that most of the world does not buy the comedian Zelensky's view of the world. And they don't want to be dragged into World War III. Is that a possibility? It sure is. So that's the beginning of today's podcast. I took a big chance in my YouTube piece, which you'll soon hear called Easter Thoughts. I thought very carefully before I did that broadcast, but I did it. And now I see that I'm not alone. I just use common sense to say, why is the world rushing to World War III? Right? And then I go to some of the websites this morning. Let's see, the Drudge Report. Russian nuke bomber buzzes Ukraine. Zelensky urges anti-radiation pills. Nuclear war! Nuclear war! Send us weapons! No-fly zone! You think Putin's finished? I will tell you again. What he has done is a disaster, a humanitarian disaster. But there are two sides to every war. And most of the world does not support Zelensky. Only you do. Because you're a brainwashed American fool. I will tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be a bigger disaster than you can imagine. That's what's going to happen. First of all, you may not know this, but Putin could have destroyed most of Ukraine with artillery alone in about three days. He could have bombed Ukraine into the Stone Age. Putin has tried to avoid civilian casualties from the beginning. Again, I'm not glorifying him. I'm explaining to you what's going on. It's very much akin to our war in Vietnam, where we tried to avoid civilian casualties and still killed 500,000 Vietnamese. You may not know that. What's coming next is going to be a greater disaster than you can imagine because of Zelensky and the madmen behind him. Am I saying that they should give up their soil? No. That is for them to decide, not for me. What is better, to give up some of their country to Russia in the east and agree not to permit weapons from NATO on the border with Russia or to see their country annihilated and millions of their citizens killed? What would you do? You'll have to decide instead of sitting there and pounding your chest and saying war, war, war. There's much more to the story than meets the eye. And it's only just begun. You go to sites like Fox News owned by uh, Murdoch. They're talking about danger at the door. What's coming across our border where our borders are being melted down. But let's go back to Ukraine before I wrap this up. I've told you in f previous podcasts that Putin could use nuclear weapons. They are very low-yield nuclear weapons, which we do not have, they have. They're called tactical nuclear weapons, which have almost very low radiation. And what he's going to do is suck the cream of the Ukrainian army into the east and demand that they surrender, or he'll annihilate them. That's what's liable to happen. Did you hear what I just said? And now let's go on to listen to my incredible Easter broadcast called 
Easter thoughts. And then we're going to have the remarkably great interview by Josh Kaplan of the phenomenal website Breitbart of my life, both in and out of the media over all of these decades. And I thank you so much for listening to the Michael Savage podcast. And I hope you enjoy the rest of this remarkable broadcast today. Thank you for listening. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Chat, it's Michael Savage again. And what I'm going to do for you today is a continuation of what I did for you, I believe, yesterday, thoughts on Easter and Passover, but it's going to be much shorter. And what I'm going to do for you today is what I did for you yesterday, but a little bit more. It's real simple. The world's on the precipice of an apocalypse. Is Putin the Hitler of our time and Zelensky who, the Moses, the Jesus, the, who is he? How did a comedian named Zelensky, now don't get me wrong, whatever you do, please don't get me wrong. But when I see Jake Tapper, one of the worst people in the history of the American media, glorifying Zelensky, turning him into some great hero, when I know that that is the furthest thing from the truth. When I see that as near as two weeks ago, Zelensky was looking for peace saying he would not join NATO. He would not seek to take back the Donbass region and the other regions of Eastern Ukraine being claimed by Russia. Now, I'm not taking a position on this. I'm just referencing the realities of this precipice of World War III. Two weeks ago, he was ready to settle. Now he said, we won't give back an inch of territory, get prepared for a nuclear war. Who is behind Zelensky. And I will tell you this, as a secular Jew myself, I am not a religious man, but I was born Jewish and I will die Jewish, I'll be buried Jewish. I'm a lapsed Jew. It's a phrase I got from my Catholic friends who call themselves, themselves lapsed Catholics. Those are people who respect their religion but don't practice it very much. As a lapsed Jew, I will tell you, I do not understand how so many right-minded people can fall for this bullshit, pardon me, put out by the American media, the same media that said Russia collusion, Trump evil, all of the lies that were found to be and proven to be nothing but lies, led by Jake Tapper and the minions of lies. The ministers of propaganda are now telling us Zelensky is the equivalent of a religious figure. How can you believe this? This is not saying Putin is a hero. I am not on his side. Listen to me carefully. There is much more to this than meets the eye. And I want to go back to 2014 when that SOB, John McCain, who you all hated, by the way, at the time, went to Ukraine and stirred up a revolution. It's called the Maiden Revolution. There was a duly elected leader who was, let us say, friendly to Russia, but he was elected. And this guy, McCain, went over there and started up a revolution. The same way Pelosi went to Berkeley and said, be a disruptor. They are all left-wing, fanatical disruptors of the world. So now, all of a sudden, 
Zelensky. He's thrown on the world stage. What world leader appears in an undershirt every day to make believe he's a tough guy in a bunker somewhere? Who does a thing like this unless he's an actor? But what's even worse is that I believe Zelensky can destroy the whole world. When a man says, get ready for nuclear war, when he has the power to say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overpowered, let's make a deal, let's settle this, please, Mr. Biden, come out, let's do something for world peace. Instead, he says, we'll fight to the last Ukrainian, we won't give up an inch of soil. I don't think you understand what this means on a day like today, this Easter. It means an awful lot. Is, uh, is your knowledge base large enough to know how many Russians have been killed in the war against Ukraine since 2014? I've seen estimates of 14,000, I've seen 20,000. I've seen stories of atrocities by the Azov Brigade, who are the Nazi right-wing fanatical nationalists who are behind Zelensky, and they're very smart. This nationalistic, fascistic, Nazi Azov Battalion has, is so smart that they're using a Jew to do their bidding. Everyone says, wow, Zelensky. Mark my words, no matter how this ends, and it will not end well, even if it ended tomorrow, it won't end well. We're going to have massive food shortages come next autumn. This is springtime. It's planting season. Nothing's being planted in Ukraine. You heard about corn shortages, wheat shortages. You heard about livestock uh, shortages now. Wait until you see the Americans going like cattle to buy their pork and their meat. Mm. And they don't have any next year. Wait until you see what happens in Europe. Who's going to get blamed? The Jews. Because of Zelensky. Listen, I thought very carefully about doing this video. And I said there's nothing to be gained by this. There's no percentage in this for you, Michael. People will misinterpret what you're saying. They'll make you wrong no matter what you say. I, I, I know that. Again, I will say again what I said earlier in my appeal for peace. Mr. Putin, settle this deal. You don't have to blow them off the map. You don't have to annihilate 30,000 of their troops who you've sucked into the uh, Eastern Corridor, which is what he's doing. I did a podcast on this. It's classic Russian strategy. Look weak, look broken, look like you're losing. Suck the best of their troops into a pocket, surround them and, not, and annihilate them. That could be happening, couldn't it? So why is Zelensky the hero of Jake Tapper of all people? Jake Tapper, one of the biggest liars in the history of the American media, if not the worst of all of them. A self-righteous, sanctimonious phony. Jake Tapper today glorifies Zelensky as the second coming of Jesus and has to overemphasize, again, that Zelensky's a Jew. He's not doing the Jewish people a favor. He's not doing world peace a favor. He's doing no one a favor. Jake Tapper is the lowest of the low. So the Azov Battalion is very smart. They're very smart people. They're using a Jew as their front man so the people can't say that they're Nazis. You get it? None of you understand, some of you may understand this and some of you may agree with me. Many of you are shocked at saying I'm wrong. I have friends in the military who are great men who are no longer my friend because they've fallen for this hook, line, and sinker. People who in the past 
should have been able to read through propaganda are now banging the war drums. So I, one man, what will I have, five to 10,000 people will view this YouTube video. I've been shadow banned by Facebook, Twitter, YouTube from the day I began. How could I, a man who had millions of followers when I was on the radio, have only 10,000 people watch a YouTube video? Because I'm shadow banned by the third world people who run Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, people who come from places like Bangladesh, India, who really don't have a First Amendment. They don't respect the First Amendment. They don't want a First Amendment. They want to be the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth amendment, which of course leads back to why they don't want Musk to buy into Twitter. They want a total, absolute totalitarian control of the view. Now, I do not know if any of you agree with me or not. I know that this is a very difficult subject for all of us. Anyone who is human and sees the destruction in Ukraine cannot have sympathy for the Ukrainian people. It is said that up to 10 million people have been displaced from their homes. Three to four million are now living outside their country, mainly women and children. Terrible humanitarian disaster. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. So now we hear that Zelensky every day, get ready for nuclear war! Nuclear war! Nukes, nukes, nukes! Get ready for nuclear war! I just got a shipment of fresh undershirts in from Brooklyn. Every day, another set of fresh undershirts with a, with a military insignia on his undershirt. What kind of world leader is this? Why is he not suing for peace? He, I know that they lost a heavy cruiser, the Russians. It went down, whatever the reasons, who knows? It was sunk by our missiles, by the way, meaning we're meddling again in a situation that can get very quickly out of control tomorrow. Whose missiles were those that sank that Russian cru battle cruiser? U.S., U.K.? Raytheon made them? Who made them? You think the Russians don't know? This is throwing kerosene on a raging fire. Military-industrial complex. The great General Eisenhower warned us, beware the military-industrial complex. And here we're watching the military-industrial complex. Their stocks are going through the roof. They're salivating over the weapons orders that are coming in, that are going to be coming in from NATO. Countries that didn't want to be militant are now militant. Finland, Norway, Sweden are arming to the teeth. And we have a commander-in-chief who ran, ducked his tail, ran out of Afghanistan, left $75 billion in advanced equipment on the ground. Men were killed. Women were killed. Women are being raped now in Afghanistan. That's the commander-in-chief who shakes hands with the air. Whoever's pulling his strings, and believe me, we all know who they must be. We've heard Obama, we've heard all the names. You can pretty much be sure that Obama's hand is involved in all of this. The same man who gave us the maiden revolution in Ukraine, overthrew the Russian-friendly president using that, that moron, John McCain, who looked like the Manchurian candidate to me. I met him only once at a fight boxing match in Las Vegas. I went up to him. He looked, he had the stare of the Manchurian candidate. Hi, Cindy, this is Michael Savage. Like weird. It was like the Manchurian candidate, it wasn't right. Now, what do you think is gonna happen? 
in the very near future. Now, that if you believe the propaganda of the West, that Putin's back is to the wall, and we don't know if that's true. We know he's lost an awful lot of mechanized equipment using our great technology. Thank you, Raytheon. You've tested it on the battlefield. You did your job. Good job. Your orders must be pouring in from uh, all of the nations that once neutral. Good job, Raytheon. Very good salesmanship. Blowing up all those old tanks and armored personnel carriers. You're showing the world what violence can do. Meanwhile, in America, we have a crime wave out of control. Mainly minorities. 98, 99% minority crime wave. Who's saying that? Very few people are saying it. Every day, another Asian pushed down to the ground. Another Asian punched in the head. Another woman thrown on a railroad track. Another shooting on the subway. You couldn't even find that story in the San Francisco newspapers to show you how brainwashed the morons are in the Bay Area. Cops can solve the crime wave. We know that. But their hands have been tied. They've been neutralized by the vermin on the left with the Black Lives Matter lie. Black Lives Matter is a criminal enterprise. Slowly but surely you're coming to understand that with the one who bought the, the mansions and then said, how dare you tell everyone I bought mansions with the money under a shell company? How dare you tell anyone that? That's racism. The punchline for everything is racism when you catch one of those types, and there are many types like that in all races. Unfortunately for them, there are too many of them in Black Lives Matter. So to conclude my Easter sermon, many of you, what time is it now? 10 after one here on the West Coast. So it's, uh, you had your big fat Easter dinner, you had your pork, your ham, you had your ham, you had your ham today. And tonight, what are you eating, what are you tonight? More ham. What's going on in the world? You ate eggs today, you ate a ham. Get a few drinks. And Zelensky screaming, nuclear war! Get ready for nuclear war! And Jake Tapper turns him into the second coming of Christ, Zelensky. Where are the voices for peace? Which world leader has called for peace recently? There are none. None. I, I don't see any. Biden shakes hands with the air. I don't ask anything of him. He should be in an old age home being taken care of. This is a crime against the senior citizen. It's senior abuse, what the Obama minions are doing to Biden. Biden's always been a pocketbook carrier. He's always been a sub-carrier. Always been a carrier for more powerful people, a schmendrick. Good actor, one of the best, terrific actor. He's a better actor than Zelensky, by the way. At least Biden doesn't have any pictures of him playing the piano with his putts in his past. At least he never did that. He just faked everything else he's ever done. And by the way, while I'm at it, where is Jill Biden? Has anyone seen her recently? Where is she gone? Where is she gone? Where is Mrs. Robinson gone? Hmm. Don't know. All of a sudden, she's not on the stage. For those of you wondering what those figures are above me, I get some people say, what's that? That's an ironwood carving from a listener of mine from over 10 years ago of an eagle. And to the right is the RCA dog. I bought one. There aren't too many around from the radio days when they had the RCA dog. And behind me is my humble abode. In front of me is the audience.
And remember what I'm saying to you. Things are not what they appear to be. Please study before you take a firm opinion on all of this. And please pray for peace. You say, what the hell a prayer is prayer going to do? Prayer is nothing. I would argue to the contrary. Prayer works. How do I know? I have the faith that it works. Can I prove it works? I have the faith that it works. Ask me again, can I prove that prayer works? I have the faith that it works. Look up the root of the word faith. It's different than the word belief. I wrote a book called God, Faith, and Reason. Remember that book? Why do you think I chose those words so carefully? It's one of the best books out there. I don't even know if it's in print. God, Faith, and Reason. Faith and Reason. I have the faith that prayer works. Then why is God letting so many Ukrainians being killed? So many Russian soldiers being killed? Why does God let little children get leukemia and suffer? See these ads for the children's hospital doing miraculously beautiful work. It can kill you when you see these little children with their hair shaved off from cancer. You could, you could scream with pain for them, right? Why does God do that? There's one answer, and I'm going to give it to you today. I learned it from a book I read many years ago where I would be absolutely not believing in God anymore. You ready for this? It was a rabbi. I don't know who wrote it. He wrote a popular book. And he said that if I believed that God was omnipotent and let all these bad things happen, I would cease believing in this God. He said, I don't believe God is omnipotent. I believe God is omnipresent. And what happens is chance and man's acts. However, I, Michael Savage, believe something a little differently than that. God's a busy guy. He's got a lot of universes to run up there. And your little problems don't really matter to him. Seven billion people on the planet, he's worried about your hemorrhoids. Seven billion people on the planet, I think he's got bigger problems, like preventing the world from being blown off its axis by the maniacs running the, running the world right now. But he's around. And I think that there's sometimes that we can tap into his energy. You hear what I said? I think that there's a way to like pray into that energy, to thread the needle, like a, you know, a camel going through the thing. I think there's a way to thread the needle to God. Many religions have done it in different ways. Religions you call pagan religions tap into God, God's energy. I have a friend right now who is a rabbi, by the way, but he's on an Indian reservation. He goes every year. He's the only white man allowed on that reservation for their ceremonies around this time of year. You're telling me they're not tapping into God with their peyote? You're telling me they're not reaching God their way? Not through gefilte fish and horseradish, but through peyote. That's a bit of a joke in the midst of a non-joke. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. You telling me all those nights I sat and drank Yangona, Kava Kava, Piper Methysticum in the villages in Fiji? That was an accident? I wasn't sent there by God? And I didn't speak to these people, these Fijian people who've been on those, on those islands, self-sustained for 20,000 years or more, after washing up ashore in some canoe? They built cultures and civilizations. I, from Queens, New York, what was I doing there in those villages, sitting alone in those villages at night? I almost fell off a cliff once. I told you that story. I know God's hands saved me. I've, I've had it happen many times. 
So I, I sometimes believe, by the way, and this is a tough one to tell you because it sounds very elitist and arrogant. I don't believe God talks to all of us. I don't think God cares about all of us. I, I don't think so. I think some of us were picked, not a whole race, but some of us in all races are chosen by God to do his work and be his messenger. By saying it's me, I'll let you decide. It's not for me to decide. I turned 80 years of age a few weeks ago. I never thought I'd make 40. At 40, I never thought I'd make 50. At 50, I thought I'd never make 60. I've been obsessive about health and stuff for years. I wrote books 40 years ago on the dangers of toxins in the food. I wrote about things that you're just learning about now. I wrote about vitamins in the 1970s. Many books, Herbs That Heal, books about herbal medicine. Because I was chosen to do these things and live almost in isolation my whole life. I have a wonderful family, but I'm alone most of the time. That's the way God wants me to be. God wants me to be here. When I almost died a couple of years ago, and I was being wheeled in and all I saw were the overhead lights, I was praying. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echod Baruch Shem Kavod Le'elom Vo'ed. The Shema, Jew says that when he's dying, he prays to God. But I also did the, the Christian prayer. I did the prayer to God in English and in Hebrew. And after it was over, the wonderful surgeon, I only had a stent, not a big deal, but he said I almost died. He said to my wife, he said, your husband was mumbling as we wheeled him into the operating theater. Mumbling, I was mumbling to God. That's my mumbo jumbo to God, Hebrew and English. In other words, prayer is mumbling to a scientist. If they don't believe in, in God, they don't believe in prayer. Now, those of us who walk on both sides of the street believe in science and God. Science and God. You can believe in both. It's not a dichotomy, it's a reality. You get it? You understand what I'm saying to you? It's, it's a dichotomy reality. Yeah, it sounds like a spell. I don't believe in God, or I do believe in God. I believe in science, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in science, I only believe in God. I believe in science and I believe in God. And on those words, yes, true science is the real God. I wrote this when I was 18. God is science is DNA. That was an, a long time ago. It was when Watson and Crick unraveled the double helix. I was in 1950s. Could you imagine that? Shortly thereafter that, see, I entered Queens College in 1959, I think. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. I was 18 years old or something. Um, they were geniuses, Watson and Crick. Great geniuses, they unraveled the double helix. Do you know what happened to one of them? He was thrown out of his position at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute because he said some things 15 to 20 years ago that were considered against the code of communism. He said something about blacks and something about Jews that was not acceptable. And they threw this great Nobel Prize winner out of his position he was canceled a long, long before you heard about the word being about cancellation. 
That's what they did to one of the great minds of our time. So my legacy to you is borders, language, and culture. That's my DNA to you. I've given you the DNA for this nation. That's the double helix of every nation on earth, whether it's Tonga, Thailand, Ukraine. Isn't it funny how all of these schmuck liberals have Ukrainian flags on their front lawn now? And they, have, we would never, they wouldn't be caught dead having an American flag. These are the same people who spit on the American flag. They're now screaming for borders, language, culture of Ukraine. Ukraine, go to war for Ukraine. Our border has been destroyed by this criminal gang of the Biden gangsters. Don't get me started on that one. I don't know if this country can ever survive what this Biden gang is doing to this country. Every country on earth is defined by its DNA, which is borders, language, and culture. Except this gang of internationalist communists, they're destroying our country. The only thing that will save us after Biden, if there is an after Biden gang, is a leader who will deport everyone who has been legalized from the day this administration started legalizing the world. That will almost never happen. Borders, language, culture. Every liberal that hates borders goes home, locks their door, and kisses a Ukrainian flag and screams for nuclear war. One last note about faith in God, if I may. I'm going on too long. Excuse me. It's 26 minutes. I hope this gets posted. I don't know. <clears throat> so... About a month after I had gotten, they call it your incident. I don't want to go back and forth with this. I had the incident. So about for a month, actually it was a year after I didn't sleep. I was afraid of dying every night. Two years, three years, I still have issues. You fear it, that's all. So, but for the first month or two, you're really scared. So I had, you know, da, 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 it was pains. I didn't know what it was. So I went in, I had, the doctor said, you better go and we can't decipher it on the phone. I went after the whole thing. After eight hours, they test your blood, see if it was another heart attack. So I was waiting in the um, whatever room they put you in. I was, you know, hours have to wait. And there had been a large black lady in the outside, you know, I think she was at the front desk. I happened to say hello to her. And I took a glance at her eyes on the way in since I spent so many years amongst African-descended people in the Fiji Islands. I can read people's faces very well. I knew she was from Africa, number one. I could almost pick the exact country she was from and almost the exact region of the country. I didn't say a word. So I, for whatever the reason is, the secretary came into me in the recovery room while I was waiting to find out. And we talked and she asked me what I do. I never told her, you know, I'm Michael Savage, radio host. I said, just, I, 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 I write books and I give lectures on the radio sometimes. And she looked at me very carefully and she says, you're not ready. You have a lot of work to do. And then I asked her where she's from. I didn't tell her that I knew. I got chills down my spine right now. She looked right through me. I looked right through her, just as those nights in those villages with the Fijian people when we would drink Yangona and we would, our faces would disappear and all that were left were our eyes and our souls talking to each other. And the Fijians would say, I don't think, they would say, I don't think he's American. I think he's Fijian. And the other guys would say, yes, he's Fijian, meaning I was one of them. They were one of me. We are all one together, as the Beatles said. Peace, shalom, may God save the world from the evil men who could destroy it. 
Thank you very much for listening. I'm Michael Savage. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the uh, YouTube piece that I did on uh, Easter Sunday called Easter Thoughts. Perhaps it's too controversial for some of you. But as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm not alone in these views. Again, do not misinterpret what I am saying. The humanitarian disaster that has befallen the Ukrainian people is horrendous. It's terrible. And the war should stop. Where are the world leaders speaking for peace? The answer is nowhere. But as you learn today, a good percentage of the world's nations do not support what the United States is doing by throwing fuel on the fire. Well, next on the Michael Savage podcast is the incredible interview with Josh Kaplan from Breitbart.com about my life and my views of the world, meaning a savage life. I think you're going to enjoy it because I know many of you have asked to hear this live interview, and I hope you do enjoy it. Oh, good to see you, Doc. You know, it's funny. It's like you and Trump have the genes where it's like, as time goes on, you look like younger. <laughs> would you that? I mean, it's so funny. I can't start, believe it. Why don't you start the interview with that? My children would, my children would love that. That's a great opening line. I hope we're- I'm happy to, 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 to start with that. So before we get started, I wanted to just let you know, I've got about four questions here. I wanted uh, to, to start off just kind of do a um, a question basically reflecting on 25 years in radio, year and in, year into podcasting, went from a local radio host all the way up to one of the most powerful conservative voices in the country, even helping elect a president. Um, and just trying to get your sense of reflecting on as your 80th birthday uh, comes at the end of the month, how you feel about that. The other thing is talk about the podcast, promote it, how's it going, so on and so forth. How's it different from radio? What do you like? What do you don't like? And uh, the next thing would be what's your, what, and then two political ones. What do you think about Biden's performance so far? And then 2024 predictions. And if there's anything else you want to discuss, I'm happy to uh, to do that as well. Fire away. I'll answer. You just, you, you, you start and I'll follow. Okay, great. So Dr. Savage, it is your 80th birthday coming up at the end of the month, March 31st. It is a big milestone for you and for anybody. Uh, reflecting on your 25 years in radio and your year and more in podcasting, you look back at your accomplishments starting off as a local radio host at KGO in San Francisco. Mm working your way all the way up into one of the most powerful and influential voices, not only in the conservative media, but in American politics in general. Uh, and we saw that power channeled in the presidential election, which led to Donald Trump ascending to the White House. Mm. So as your birthday comes up very soon, how do you feel about all of this? You know, I don't think about it because when you when you function as most of us do these days um, in isolation, I mean, I, I do my podcast at home, you know, computer. I have a couple of people I work with, but they're remote in other places. I see one or two of them, one of them regularly. I don't get feedback. I don't know how I'm seen, Josh. You may not believe that. What I do is I um, 
I have active social media accounts, Twitter and Facebook, and people say, what are you crazy taking those people seriously? You care what they say? Well, as an interviewer said to me last week, Steve, who interviewed me for, for the 80th birthday, he said to me, you know, you're like the ball player. I think he mentioned uh, the great ball player. I don't know who Williams, Ted Williams in Boston. He said there are 50,000 fans in the, in the stand cheering him. But if someone jeered him, he would, he would try to hit the ball into the stand to hit that fan. <laughs> he, did, I, he, was that good. he said he was that good with a bat that he could hit him with the ball. <laughs> so maybe there's a peculiar aspect to my personality is I don't like hecklers. And so I don't know where I'm at. You know, I'm cut out of the mainstream, Josh. You interview me, and I love Breitbart. Not only because you interview me, but I love Breitbart. I do. I, I try to read it every day. I love Newsmax because Chris Ruddy has had me on his TV shows three times a week now. So naturally, I love them. Uh, anyone who likes me, I have to love. But truthfully, do I really know how people think of me? I don't. How do you get a, you know, you need, you know what the old performers, Josh, used to say that you need a live audience, you know, all of the greats in comedy or even the great singers, they would say they have to do a small live performance every once in a while to get some feeling of what's really going on. These huge events you don't know. I don't even do huge events. How would I, Josh, how do you know? How do you know how you're doing? Tell me how. Well, I mean, you see the effect. The one way that I know that you're influential, not only in my personal life, but I've been listening to you for years, and I see that you began with a view of what you'd like to see in the country pol uh, policy-wise and culturally, and slowly over time, the Republican Party adopt your plank, borders, language, culture. Oh, well, I wish that were true. Who's adopted that? Trump has adopted some of those yes. policies. The Republican Party has some of those policies. They don't stick to it. Now that's their talking points. So at the very least, maybe I should adjust. They've adopted your policies as in some ways their prescriptions. They don't follow through on them, of course. Yeah, I agree. No, I agree with you. That should be their core policy of define the nation as defined by borders, language, culture. I mean, they're certainly defending uh, Ukraine's borders, language, and culture, aren't they? Right. You were alone years ago in borders and language and, and in borders, language, and culture. And now this is something that every Republican voter wants out of their, wants out of their elected leader. And so to me, when I see your influence, you could quantify it by helping to elect a president, I look at it and I say that what a mainstream Republican wants now is what you were advocating for over two decades ago. Okay, 1994, I begin in radio. I have an event called the Compassionate Conservative event at the Marin Civic Center, 2,000 people. And I go on stage, I create the Paul Revere Society, and I create a card, and I had to think about what we stand for. And I said, we stand for... Um, a nation, a stronger nation, which is defined by its borders, language, and culture. That has become, in essence, my legacy issue, Josh. Now, I'm, I'm sitting here in my studio. I have some of my books. You can see them here. 
in, in no particular order. Stop the coming civil war, government zero. Stop mass hysteria, scorched earth, liberalism is a mental disorder, always a favorite. And so on and so forth. Trickle down poverty, trickle up tyranny. Any other books? By the way, Doc, I'm sure you've seen the, me- the liberalism is a mental disorder. It, uh, every conservative is saying that on Twitter these days. You wrote a book on that years ago, and now they're they're finally catching up. Are they quoting right. who said it? No. No, they're not. But I'm just letting you know again, once again, ahead of your t- ahead of your time. But but uh, I apologize for interrupting you. Please. No, no. I, hey, this is a conversation. So it should be highly quoted, heavily quoted. Liberalism is a mental disorder. How else do you explain what the th- the things they're doing. They don't know what a, a woman is. They never heard of what a woman is. They don't know what a border is for our country, but they're willing to risk the third world war for the borders, language, and culture of Ukraine. Virtually everything they do is the mark of someone on medication was crazy. But we're not getting anywhere by saying it. It's true. The enemy within is even more true. When you so, consider it. So that they, de- they declare us to be the enemy. But, you know, before we get too political, I must tell you, I've done other things as well. My, my book, Secrets of EGM Medicine, Josh, for example, I'm going to pull it out for a minute. Because this is another side of me that is unknown to the general audience. Here, here's a copy of the cover of a reprint. It's based upon phenomenal research in all of the islands, the Fiji Islands, before it was a water. I was traversing the islands, picking the medicinal plants, working with folk healers and documenting how these plants were used and sending herbarium specimens back to, to herbaria around the world. Sounds dry and boring, but these could be the source of future medicines for mankind. And I'm going to reissue this book next week for my birthday on Kindle, because at one point, I put the book out there, I never copyrighted it, and a bookstore owner in Suva stole the book and was selling it under his own imprint. For years, I had to get a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to put it out just to preserve it. I don't expect it to sell a lot of copies. Another aspect of myself is this, God, faith, and reason. Right. Why do I mention it? Because, you know, I struggle all the time with uh, mortality since I'm a little kid. What is, I, I suppose anyone with a brain does, right? Who are we? What are we doing here? What happens when we're not here, right? And what is religion? Is there any meaning for religion? Does God exist? And I, as I said in this book, I've never seen God. I'm not Jimmy Carter. I never saw him come into my house in a white robe and try and a pair of my slippers. I've only seen snapshots of God, not a complete film. And what I mean by snapshots, a seagull diving for bread, my dog dying in my arms, a uh, child being born. I don't know what to say. And Job spoke and said, let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night wherein it was said, a man child is brought forth. Let that day be darkness. That's pretty dark. Why would Job say he hated the day he was born? Think about that. One of the Jewish prophets, Job, right? Mm-hmm. Why would he say a thing like that? Let the day perish wherein I was born. Let that day be darkness. Who knows? I mean, many of us are in pain right now, Josh. Everyone listening or reading your interview has lost something either dear to them or that they believed in, including America. Many people feel are losing the country under Biden on such a rapid pace that three more years, there'll be nothing left. 
And so I talked about loss. Loss, what is loss? And how do we deal with loss? And can God help us with this? Can faith help, help us with loss? But, you know, we don't want to use drugs, right? We want to use faith. So, um, again, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. I practice Judaism probably more so than most people, but not to the extent of an Orthodox Jew. I know the holidays. I know when the Sabbath is. I pray to God every night that I'll wake up in the morning, right? I mean, that kind of stuff. But I'm not a religious person. I'm not a proselytizer. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I got to tell you this, Josh, since you're asking me how am I at 80, I look back on my life, and some people close to me have said for many years, you know, you have the voice and the mind to have been a guru in the 60s and 70s. You easily could have swayed people into a cult, which is 100% true. I also could have bought land in Israel in the 70s, which I didn't do. I also could have exploited the Fiji Islands, which I didn't do. So, you know, what can I say to you? You know, I never wanted to be a guru. I didn't need 17 Rolls Royces. Like, who was he, Bhagaram Bhashti, the one up in Oregon with, with that cult, Bagdish, Ragdish, remember him? Mm -hmm. Everyone who has a following probably dreams at some point of, wow, how did they build such a following? And that brings us to politics, Josh. Right. People are lonely. People are isolated. People are frightened. People generally are looking for a strong leader. And if you, have, if you have any leadership qualities, you can hoodwink people. The trick in all of this, the most important thing, actually, not the trick, is to not exploit your gift. That's the hardest thing to do is not lie to the people and not exploit the people. Because to me, that's a great sin. Now, this is already bordering on self-righteousness. It's not, you know, it's sort of self-aggrandizement to say I'm so good and implying others are not. I'm not really saying that. It's that I fear God. <laughs> and, as I, and I mean, you know, there's something after all of this. I think we pay for what we do here on this earth. Maybe I'm crazy. It's hard to believe that when you see so many people wiped out for no reason by an earthquake or a, a bomb. But um, I have to believe that there's some kind of judgment. And I think we have to use our powers, powers, for the good, as best as we can, without getting too sanctimonious, sanctimonious about it, right? That's right. all I'm saying. So right. I'm gonna, uh, hold on, one little other thing since we're on the religion thing. So this little book, can you see my book? Yes. Okay. When I was bar mitzvah the 13, my grandmother, who was an atheist from Russia, probably a communist, God bless her soul, what, is a, what did a communist mean in her day? She was a rebel against the... Czar. She was a rebel against the police. She was a rebel against a society that mistreated its citizens, which is not comparable to America today in any way. But she was just a, a radical. She was a, a fighter. She did not speak a word of English. When I was a little boy, I remember her living with us because we were poor. We lived in one apartment. She lived between my apartment and the one next door where my cousins lived. And I loved her. And she would only speak to me in Yiddish or in Russian. 
And I don't speak either language. I know a few words of this and a few words of that, but I don't speak it. But she was very profoundly uh, influential on me. Here was an atheist who, when I was by mitzvah, gave me a, a prayer book. Why? <laughs> I don't know. This is the thing about Jews that people don't understand, is that no matter how far Jews wander from their religion, they're not but two or three generations away from a very religious relative. Yes. See, they don't know that. You, you speak that to the guy in L.A. now with the hair, the, the, the gelled hair, Mr. You know, hip, Mr. Cool, Mr. Wit, you know. Mr. Highway, whatever. His grandfather or great grandfather was a rabbi in Poland or in in um, in in Belarus, as sure as I'm sitting here. And they've lost contact with their own uh, traditions. So I don't know. She gave this to me because her little grandson was be, be, being by mitzvah. I never looked at it. I've carried it with me in this place here and there, but I'm bringing it out for a reason. <laughs> Three times a week, I go on Newsmax TV. And as I'm sitting here with the camera on, waiting to appear for the four or five minutes before, I open this little book and I flip through it. I go like to the evening service and I find sentences and phrases. Listen to this one. Thou favorest man with knowledge and teachest mortals understanding. Then on the right side is the Hebrew, okay? You in other words, God favors men with knowledge and teaches mortals understanding. To the Jew, the word is most important. We are people of the book. We are people of the book. So to me, the written word, Josh, has always been supreme. Can I tell you a story about the written word that I don't think I've talked much about? Please. I think I wrote about it somewhere in this book, God, Faith, and Reason. I was a little boy in the Bronx, and um, I don't know how old I was, five. And the street, I can remember the street to this day. There was a newspaper blowing in the wind, and it was a Yiddish newspaper because I lived in a Jewish neighborhood, and there were a lot of older people there. I didn't understand the language, but I knew it was the language of my people. And as I saw the newspaper blowing down the street and all the pages flying everywhere, this little child ran down the street, street grabbing the newspaper pages and, and saved them from blowing away. I didn't know why I was doing it. Well, I thought it was some sacred text that was being blown in the wind. You follow me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how did children react to these things? I don't know. But that's a cute little story. And I don't know what it means. Here it is. Papers in the street. I did write about it somewhat. And uh, papers in the street. That's how it started little tiny story want me to read the rest of that paragraph i just found it. as for me religion entered my life strangely actually i don't think it entered i think it was always there i have one memory i was a young boy maybe five years old running in the streets of the bronx and i remember a jewish newspaper was blowing in the wind i didn't understand the word of it but because it was written in another language that i thought was a holy language i assumed it was holy writing I picked up every sheet of it, took them home, and said to my mother, Ma, look what I found in the street. I saved it, thinking I'd save some holy text. Well, it obviously was just a newspaper written, either he written in either Hebrew or Yiddish, but I didn't know that. There are other distant memories of my relationship to my ancestral language and my ancestral religion, which will come up throughout this book. So again, children don't really know very much, but they have this intuition about things. Can I continue on the religion? Absolutely. 
we, we want Dr. Savage, raw, unfiltered stream of consciousness from the heart and soul. Well, you're getting it. So here's two other Jewish things or, or religious things or God things. Here is a Bible that is torn to shreds. As you can see, I actually have looked at it a few times. Wow. So unbelievable. It's beaten Doc, to that, death. Is, that that belongs in a in, in, in a museum. I know you don't want to give it up, but that's that is so incredible. I yep. read it and I mark it. And you find a thing like this. We hear phrases like a still small voice. Does anyone know where it came from? No. It came from first Kings. Um, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. It came from first Kings. A writing in the Bible. Where do these things come from? They come from the holy book. The book of books. And uh, Isaiah, my favorite. And he shall judge between the nations and shall decide for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. Neither and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You know, Josh, wouldn't it have been nice if in the last four weeks, one god darn politician would have read this instead of trying to build up more war fever by banging the drums of hatred yes. one way or the other? I haven't heard one person quote the Bible in this country in the last four weeks. I certainly didn't expect it from the EU. I haven't heard it from anybody. Not even the Israelis quoted their own Bible. Think about that one. So, I, okay, so this book I've had for years. I used it on the radio for years to enchant my audiences. Now, this one is even more important in a strange way. This I got much later in life during my active uh, Chabad years. Chabad is a Orthodox Jewish sect created, yes. by the way, in Ukraine. Uh, I believe in the 1700s. I could be wrong about that. But their prayer book has such a wonderful translation. It's the best translation of any of the ancient prayers I've ever seen. So you read one and says, look at the morning prayer. I want you to listen to this. I've said this to other people. I never did it for a show like this. Maybe people will want to hear this. What is the first prayer that a religious Jew says upon awakening? It says, Immediately upon awakening, in order to be able to prevail over his evil inclination and rise quickly, a person should consider in whose presence he lies. In other words, don't touch your schmendrick in the morning. <laughs> don't reach for your schwanz in the morning, in other words. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so they give you a prayer right away. Get out of bed, rabbi. Don't touch your schmendrick. Leave it alone. And it says, I offer thanks to you. Living and eternal king, for you have mercifully restored my soul within me, your faithfulness. is great, meaning you're, you were woke. But listen to this. So you say, blessed are you, Lord our God, giving us commandments. But here's the prayer I want to read. Blessed are you, Lord our God, king of the universe, who has formed man in wisdom and created within him numerous orifices and cavities. It is revealed and known before the throne of your glory that if but one of them were to be blocked or one of them were to be opened, it would be impossible to exist even for a short while. Baruch Hashem, blessed are you, Lord, who heals all flesh and performs wonders. So this was written thousands of years before there was great knowledge of anatomy by the ancient Jews, right? <laughs> How do they know about um, numerous orifices and cav cavities that if even one of them were blocked or opened, it would be impossible to exist? They knew about it. That's why so many Jews became so many great doctors. 
we as people have always had a wonderful understanding of the human body and its relationship to the soul. But there's another piece of this that I have to read that I'm going to get off the religious stuff. So then you, you tell, you say to another prayer to God in the morning, thank you for giving me my soul, blah, blah, blah. But what people don't know is that you also say, thank God for not making me a woman. Now, that is considered today so sexist that you can't believe it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you read it in the context of which it is written, it's not putting down women. It is saying to God that the woman suffers more than we do. The woman brings forth life through her own body. And for that, she has to pay a terrible price. And so we say, God, thanks for not making us a woman. We are acknowledging the price that women pay for continuing the species. So it's actually a worship of the woman rather than a rejection or a or a put down of the woman. That that's my interpretation of of that particular prayer. So that's that how that was my understanding as well. Right? Is that your understanding? I don't yeah, know. That it was a compliment. That it was paying a compliment. Paying right. Yeah. So, and then you got all the prayers. Now, one of the things. So, I would travel the world all the years of my Fiji years. If you look in the back of this prayer book, there were many times I was alone on islands. I would conduct whole services by myself. In a, in a rainforest, you know, a, it, it's a wonderful thing that you, you carry, like a prayer for table of contents, laws concerning the conclusion of Yom Kippur, prayer for travelers, prayer for retiring at night, uh, and all the prayers this, you can go in, in there, I'm not going to find 10 Jews in the middle of Fiji, <laughs> but I found 10 Fijians who brought me into their minion, wow. and made me part of their group, we sat many a night, in these bures, no electricity, straw floors, drinking kava kava, which is a, a mild narcotic, doesn't get you drunk, but it, it changes your consciousness. It's made from the uh, the root of the uh, Piper methysticum plant. And after we would drink it, around and around the bowl would go, and you'd pass the cup and drink it out of this coconut cup, pass the cup around God in the age of COVID, I can't imagine. <laughs> All these, by the way, African guys, in Wolfijian. I sat, we all drank. I didn't think about, oh, they're African. So after we would drink and drink and drink for half the night, they would say to each other, I think he's Fijian, meaning pointing to me. Because all we could see in the flickering light were, uh, were the eyes. Mm-hmm. And we really communed. Our souls would get close together. Now, I don't want to go into the whole Fiji thing of the times I sat with witch doctors, folk healers, people who could read the future, who predicted the future, of someone who traveled with me who she said would would uh, be injured and almost die, and he did next day, two days later, and I had to save him with some antibiotics. So there are, there are myster- mysteries, Josh, on the earth that none of us can answer. And uh, in the years that I was searching in the jungles, and people would say, wasting your time, why didn't you just buy real estate in uh, Harlem like everyone else in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. And then hire hire Russian thugs to throw the people out and, and convert them. Because that's not who I was. I knew people who were doing that, by the way. They got rich very, very, very young. And um, I want a reward. I'm going to get some some reward for it. I don't know. It just wasn't in me. So what was I looking for all those years in the Fiji Islands? I was trying to heal my brother. I was trying to heal myself. I was trying to heal the world. Period. End of story. 
Well, that was just the first part of this remarkable interview about my savage life. You will hear the rest of this interview on an upcoming podcast. Thank you for listening. Support our advertisers and share this podcast if you liked it. I'm Michael Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.